The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. Welcome into another edition of Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy with my broadcast partner from News Radio 780 at 105.9 FM WBBM, Mr. Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Pleased you've joined us today. Uh, this is a pre recorded edition of All Access. We missed you during the draft week, but we're going to do a special draft recap here. And thanks to our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Brilli. Big Tom, how you feeling today? I'm feeling great, Jeff. You know, since the draft has ended, it's been the most talked about draft history of Chicago Bears sports and and the outs the outskirt the outlying topics that have been going around the league and everything um super impressed with the impressions that the choice of Justin Fields is left around the league um impressed what they consider his development possibilities to uh, ultimately turn into and hey we can't sit here and talk about the draft week without talking about the punch in the face that we all got right before the draft started in conversations of Aaron Rodgers possibly being disgruntled enough to to move on uh, you, you've been eloquent in your debut here today Tom I love your feelings <laughs> the history of Chicago Bears football but anytime a quarterback uh, certainly one of this stature and this kind of ceiling, uh, wow, because the sky really is the limit. And you're right. Uh, he, it, the buzz in town is palpable. Uh, friends, family, acquaintances, people reaching out on social media to both of us. Well, not you because you're not on social media, but uh, just uh, the way you have interacted with people in the public. Uh, that's the first topic is Justin Fields. Listen, I actually talk to people. So, you know, between, com <laughs> between conversations this morning with the general manager of another team, and getting their reflection about what they think. Um, you know, Justin Fields is the new quarterback. He is not the quarterback that came out of my generation, the straight drop back passer. Now we've been introduced to an, an athlete that plays quarterback. And from what we've seen in the, since this whole athleticism at that position has started, Justin Fields um, fits right into that, that new generation of quarterbacks in the NFL. And to what are you referring to about the punch in the face right before the draft? Please well, uh, fill us well, in. Well, that's when the Aaron Rodgers information came out. And so when you're thinking about what player can the Bears take to help this team make the biggest jump the soonest? Yeah, you're thinking about quarterback, but we assume that all of them would be gone by 20. And then all of a sudden they bring up within the division, if there was one player you could take out of the division to give everybody the best chance to climb up top, it would be Aaron Rodgers. And then during the course of the week, I messaged you, yep. <clears throat> who is the second best player in the NFC North? And now you have to think about it because it's not an obvious that jumps right on your plate. And, um, again, you know, we're all, you know, because the, the story hasn't left the headlines about Aaron Rodgers, but I think this, the second uh, headline that's most uh, talked about this week is the selection of Justin Fields. That's a great question, too. We're going to approach that with uh, our friend Jim Miller in just a moment. We're also going to hear from some college head coaches that uh, impacted this draft from a Bears perspective. Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy, and Virginia Tech head coach Justin Fuente. And that leads me to the former Chicago Bears quarterback, 
the Michigan Stater, the Sirius XM NFL radio host on Moving the Chains with Pat Kerwin, our special guest each and every week, Big Jim Miller. Oh, you've got thoughts. I know you do. <laughs> you must be grinning ear to ear to hear Big Tom's excitement, Jim. Yeah, well, I am. I'm excited for, for Justin Fields. You know, I, I didn't think the Bears would have a chance to get him, but here he falls through 10, and uh, Ryan Pace works a deal with the Giants at 11 with, of all people, Dave Gettleman that never is really traded down. So it worked out brilliantly uh, for the Chicago Bears. Already have talked to Justin Fields. He's a This guy is a tough competitor, and like Tom said, it's a, it's a different way that the game is played, and this is a very athletic, very determined, I think very tough-minded individual that I think landed up in the right spot with the Chicago Bears. And then the Aaron Rodgers drama continues to unfold. And what is your perspective on it? I know it's probably been topic number one on your show all week. Yeah, it, it has been, obviously. And, you know, some people have uh, sensitive feelings, you know, just because uh, they draft a quarterback and maybe he doesn't feel appreciated when you look at Aaron Rodgers. And I tend to agree with, with Brett Favre. I don't think this is going away any anytime soon. I think Aaron Rodgers is a very principled guy. He's going to stick to his guns. And I don't think he reports for training camp. And so the Packers are going to get what they what they want. We'll see what Jordan Love can do. And then maybe at that point, if he plays well, Jordan Love, I mean, plays well, maybe then the Packers would consider trading uh, Aaron Rodgers. If he plays poorly, I think Aaron Rodgers will get his fat new deal that he wanted all along in, in Green Bay. Did you have a take on Terry Bradshaw's opinion about things? Uh, no, I mean, it, Here's the thing is, I mean, organizations, you know, it's it's the typical players play, coaches coach, owners own, you know. So if, if Aaron thinks that he's got to be abreast of every single decision-making process that the Packers are doing, I think he's sorely mistaken. That really doesn't happen in any organization. They may give an inkling and ask you your input about, hey, what do you think of so-and-so player and this and that, but honestly – how many players is Aaron Rodgers really studying prior to the Packers draft every single year? I don't think any player does that uh, for any team. And then you reflect on it afterwards and you just, you welcome him in with, with open arms. So whether he felt he was uh, caught astray or really uh, out of touch with, with that pick of Jordan Love, at some point, every organization is going to have to draft a quarterback. I think we all know that. You know, Jim and Jeff, I think that narrative of the quarterback being more involved in personnel decisions started earlier this offseason with both Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. So I just think it's something that Aaron Rodgers is piggybacked on because, yeah, he may be talking about Jordan Love or the lack of receivers. You know, this is a, this is a topic that began with those two guys in, in their turmoil and their uh, decisions right. they're making. Oh. I mean, it goes back to Tom Brady. Everybody thinks they're going to talk their way out of town, but Tom Brady did it the right way. He did it where he wouldn't be placed with the, the franchise tag. He went to the owner's house and Robert Kraft. They said their goodbyes, and that was it. You know, but, but Tom had been building up to that moment to making sure they couldn't franchise tag him and all that stuff, and then he's able to move on, and everybody went their, their separate right ways. That's really not the case for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has three years left under contract. Plus they can franchise tag him for two more years. So yeah, they can give him some more money to make him happy. But I think he wanted really to end his career in green Bay by getting a long-term extension again. And it just really didn't happen. And that green Bay seems to be digging a line in the sand where they're not going to offer him any extension on his contract. 
I am uh, of the opinion, though, that this whole idea about competition rankling somebody, it just drives me nuts. I, I mean, I do. I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm going to be 59 years old. So maybe people think that I'm an old, old man thinking, but I, I just don't buy it. I, I everybody in life has to deal with competitive aspects of their position and what's down the line, what's coming down the pipeline. It's, it's just part of life. And if yeah. you're going to be sensitive about competition, I don't care who you are. I mean, it's, you're not tough enough for me. Yeah. Here's the thing is Jordan love was no competition from the get go. He's an extremely raw player. I interviewed Jordan love. How about this time? I asked him, Hey man, can you give me an example of a hard count? He didn't even know what a hard count was. And I go here, you just got drafted by green Bay with the all time best hard count quarterback in, in Aaron Rodgers. I said, you're going to find out what a hard count is and how to do it. So he's really no competition. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers. And realistically, if Aaron continues to play, he may never even step on the field. So it was kind of a wasted pick when you look at when Green Bay selected Jordan Love. Yeah, you know, one thing about the young quarterbacks, Jim, when you talk about the hard count, it's a non-rhythmic tone to the voice of the, the, of the quarterback in trying to make the defensive lineman susceptible to jumping or even being off balance. And nowadays, they really don't use that. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers, who's the master of it. You have guys in the past from Steve DeBerg to Boomer Esiason that were masters at it. But now in the modern day offense, it's almost because you got two plays called and you have so much going through your brain. You really don't have quarterbacks that are at that level where they know everything so perfectly that they can use that voice flexion as a weapon that's equally as destructive. Because if you win on that two to three times a game, you're talking about touchdowns or big completions in the case of Aaron Rodgers. That's Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago's Sports Radio 670. The score, let's take a break here on Bears All Access. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller with you on our show this week, a post-draft show. Couldn't be with you the week before, but uh, glad we're with you now as we're breaking down the Bears' selections. Let's talk about the departure of left tackle Tommy uh, Charles Leno Jr. Uh, durable as they come, uh, reliable as they come, 95 straight starts when you add the playoff games. And uh, this was something in Brad Biggs' article this past week in the Chicago Tribune, played next to 12 starting left guards since week four of 2015. And uh, wow. And he still weathered that storm. So any inefficiency that popped up during the course of that time and the bears used five left guards last season, you know, may have led to some not as uh, stellar play in 2019. I thought he played well last season in 2020, but there's not a guy on the roster, Tom, that has a start at left tackle now in this league. Yeah. You know, you didn't think about the amount of left guards that he played it next to and then think about the amount of offensive line coaches he's had through his Bears journey. So you don't grow that consistency of the same technique taught to you for a number of years. Charles Leno did more in developing himself because he first was tried at a right tackle and didn't necessarily work out. Uniquely enough, he went over to the left side and had the qualities and had the traits to sustain at that position. So I admire what Charles has been able to do throughout his career. However, when you get into salaries and you get into youth and you think of how this offensive line can change, if you can plug in a new body there and one, they obviously went and drafted one they feel has the skills to play that position. And 
from, uh, you know, all the guys that I played with throughout the course of my career, watching Jay Hilgenberg get traded to Cleveland. I got cut. You know, it's going to happen to everybody throughout the course of their career. So you just have to have thick skin at that point in your career. And you figure out, do you still have the desire to go to another organization and give everything that you built up into that point? Or have you satisfied yourself, played enough football and are ready to move on? I think Charles is going to have an opportunity to go and probably walk into somebody's team and immediately compete as the starting left tackle on their team. Jim, how do you feel about the move? And I mean, obviously it was necessary to clear salary cap space because it's extremely tight for the bears here in 2021. Yeah. I I think it's pretty clear for not only Charles Leno, but Bobby Massey on the other side as well. The bears uh, moved on from both of them. They had big contracts and they, Hey, they contributed, they play good football and we're good Chicago bears uh, uh, along the way. I'm I'm with Tom. I think uh, Charles will have an opportunity to, to play somewhere. Sounds like Bobby Massey is already getting some looks like by the, uh, the Denver Broncos where they can step in, fill in and play uh, right away. But you know, again, it's about getting younger. You do have the, the salary cap issue that you have to deal with. And we'll see what Tevin Jenkins is able to do. And plus they drafted Larry Borum, who, who are good young offensive linemen that look to have a clean canvas that have some versatility and have played more than one position on the offensive line. You would think uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins is going to have that opportunity at left tackle, maybe give that opportunity to Larry Borum on the right side. If it doesn't work there, he could kick into guard. Is, is what Borum could do. So I'm high on Jenkins. I think he's a solid player. Uh, he should be, is very versatile, but he's got all the things you're looking for in terms of the size at 6'5", the weight, his lateral ability and how he moves. And it looks to be that he's going to have to learn quick and be able to, to step in and play and play well for the Chicago Bears. All right, let's listen in to Mike Gundy, his head coach at Oklahoma State earlier this week. Tevin was uh, is very interesting. Uh, I, I think he's just scratching the surface on his ability. Um, he came from uh, Topeka, Kansas, as you guys know. And um, I, when he arrived, um, I don't think he had any idea what college football was like. And just in the last year, he's finally developed some toughness and some grit that, uh, that will certainly benefit him playing in the NFL. Um, I would not be surprised um, in two years, if uh, people are looking back and saying that, that he is potentially the best offensive line take in this draft. Uh, and I say that because he has phenomenal athleticism, strength. Um, he's highly intelligent. And he's just started to really get into football over the last 18 months. All right, Tom there. What is your reaction to Mike Gundy? And what is your thoughts on what the capability is immediately of Tevin? First of all, I like the enthusiasm in which Mike Gundy coaches with. I think it spills out to the rest of the football players, and it's a very contagious attitude that he has. And as he says he's built that kind of a reputation within the last 18 months, that's kind of what's expected from an offensive lineman or any college player that gets a little bit feel of playing early in their career, and then the expectations are raised each and every spring into the into the fall season. And, um, again, I know – a head coach that with a drafted player is always going to talk positively about their former student. But now after they went and um, drafted Tevin, I went and watched a lot of film on him, both on the right side and left side. Cause I want to see if there's a reality that this guy can transfer his right side balance to the left side. And I really think he can. And so 
when you're talking about this offense and when Justin Fields plays, they don't necessarily have to be a, a left side dominant team. They can be a right side dominant team if they feel that that's where the offensive line has strength and Tevin is kind of working into his own. So I, I do believe he can play there. I think he's demonstrated the intelligence, the aggressiveness, the attitude and the character that you need to come in here and try to be that that immediate day one starter. Um, but, you know, he's going to have to rely on guys like Cody Whitehair and the experiences that James Daniels has been able to live through. Because is, uh, is, is Cody right now the oldest offensive lineman on this unit with six years of experience? Because you're talking about a really young group of offensive linemen. And if Cody has consistency at that left guard position, here's a guy that could help Tevin become that dominating left tackle that you need to have for the next 10 years. Yeah, Cody's 28, a Fetty's 26. So, yes, right. they're all sub 30, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm good with Jim. I, I mean, I know the experience level. I mean, there's a bunch of starts between those interior guys now. And uh, what they decide to do ultimately, I, I, it's a task that you could be creative with, Jim, in terms of, okay, close your eyes. What's your starting five offensive line look like on day one? Yeah, I, I would think it would be Jenkins at, at left tackle. I think Whitehair will be at the, the left guards. Or, well, depending on what they do with James Daniels, I should say. But I would say Whitehair at the left guard, Mustafer at, at center. Depending on what they do, I think there's a, a position – uh, battle going at, at right guard. And I would think at Fetty would be the right tackle, but I'm going to give Larry Borum an opportunity to take that right tackle spot. If, if he's able to take it, then I kick a Fetty down to right guard is what I think they'll do. But I would give Larry Borum every opportunity at right tackle. Jim and Jeff, I think when you look at game day rosters and how many offensive linemen, Alex Bars gives those guys the most backup strength he can play yeah. center he can play either guard and he's played tackle so here's a guy that his versatility could be his biggest asset and if he's not a starter he's going to play an enormously huge important role of maybe being the six offensive linemen and short yardage and goal line packages but he's got to have that mental capacity to be able to hold that down any single assignment that's asked of him from right tackle to left tackle and everyone in between and they also have the young guys they drafted, Arlington Hambright, Lechavia Simmons, the prior year, uh, Dieter Ellison, uh, who is the guy they drafted, uh, undrafted free agent, rather, and Elijah Wilkinson, who came over a five-year veteran from the Denver Broncos. That's Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Bears All Access. Let's step away here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon, Anthony Adams, and Lawrence Greeden. Cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. With Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. All right, let's spend this whole segment talking about Justin Fields because Jim, the first thing that we're going to hear is, okay, when's he getting on the field? It's almost going to be a weekly Q&A from the media. How's he doing? Monitoring his progress. It'll start in the in the first veteran minicamp uh, at the end of June or middle of June, and it's going to continue over the course of time. Uh, Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback as camp begins, and there's going to be, let's just call it what it is, it's going to be tough the moment any mistakes are made because when fans are in the stands at Soldier Field, they're going to want Justin Fields. That's just how it works. 
Well, they really are. The bottom line is you, you can only play a player when, when he's ready to play. A lot of times I always say it's, it's by happenstance, like Ben Roethlisberger. You know, if, if Tommy Maddox didn't get hurt, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't go 15 and one his, his rookie season. You know, th- those are just happenstance things where an injury forces a young quarterback into the lineup. The Bears have a good quarterback room with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. They both have played a lot. They can bring along the young quarterback, and they'll be unselfish in doing so. But I think Matt Nagy has already talked about it. You don't want to throw a young player to the Wolves. That's where you can destroy a lot of young quarterbacks. Justin Fields needs more polish. Uh, He needs to learn a a pro-style offense more than that's different than the power spread that he ran at Ohio State, and he's got all the ability in the world to do it. But you only put a quarterback on the field when he's ready to play. That's the route, for example, Miami went last year with Tua Tunga Viola. How many times did Brian Flores says, we're not putting him in until he's ready to play. He's got to be able to protect himself and he's got to be able to execute all the things that he's being asked to, to, to execute. So I think they'll take them, their time with Justin Fields, but his timetable is up to him. How hard he studies, how hard he works, how fast the, the offense sinks into him. And when that happens, then he'll be ready to be inserted into the lineup. And I think it, at some point this year, it will happen for the Chicago Bears. You know, if you want to take him as a blank slate, he's probably one of the top three athletes on the Chicago Bears. But I think Judgment Day is going to come from his mental responses initially in the meeting room. The way it is for a quarterback, the way it is for an offensive lineman, Dick Stanfeld would have us actually read in that room to show that the developed camaraderie there to get up on the board and make sure that you can diagram every single assignment of every single player on the board at the right time. If he asks you a question in the middle of a sentence, you better be able to answer it quickly enough that you're both paying attention. You know exactly what he's talking about. That's going to be the initial evaluation process of Justin Fields. If he's being able to absorb everything mentally in the classroom, it's going to be really encouraging. So when they take him out in the field, and they go through those repetitiously run drills on the offensive side of the ball, then that's when you're going to be able to use his athleticism and try to look at the development of those other traits. But like Jim says, and every quarterback across the league, it'll put you in harm's way if you're not mentally ready to run the system efficiently to keep all your assets um, in uh, in a positive way. I do think that the history that uh, Matt Nagy has with the rookie year of Patrick Mahomes, uh, what they call the blueprint of how they got him ready is certainly uh, something to start with, Jim. Uh, It's a great place to start. And, you know, everybody coaches, everybody different, everybody adapts differently. And it does sound as Tom alluded to uh, about the, the mental aspect of things that this guy is a really good processor does have a unbelievable ability to, digest that information sounds like he's super smart yeah I, I, when I talked to, to Ryan Day the Ohio State head coach he, he raved about him you know I don't know leading up to the draft everybody's question oh he's the last guy in the building first guy to leave I don't buy into any of that and Ryan Day pretty much shot that down this guy this is a guy who basically the Big Ten wasn't going to play right it was Justin Fields and his family that got the Big Ten to play so this guy is a very motivated self-starter uh, a guy that gets things uh, going. So people forget that, that it was Justin Fields who got everybody together for the Big Ten to even play football last year. So tells you about his, his love of the game, 
uh, that he wants to play football, that'll work extremely hard, and he'll stick his neck out there uh, for not only his whole his his own team, but the entire Big Ten and every team in the Big Ten. That's what this young man did. And you brought up Ryan Day. Uh, he met with the media last week, uh, threw a lot of praise towards uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace for their approach in this whole process. Our relationship goes back to when we played each other um, in college. Um, he was a quarterback at Delaware. I was in New Hampshire. We had some great battles against each other. Um, and we've stayed in touch um, and just, you know, through, you know, when I was in the NFL, um, you know, he was in the NFL as a quarterback coach. And so we kind of stayed in touch that way. And then when he got to the Bears, um, you know, he would call about some of our players, always really good. One of the better guys I've been around just asking questions. And then um, even as, as early as, you know, when Justin got here, um, he and I would talk about Justin a little bit. And I, I got to give uh, Matt credit, Ryan Pace credit, uh, everybody in the, in the Bears organization. I thought they did an unbelievable job in this process, not only, you know, asking all the right questions, but, um, but, but I think this is a great fit. And I just the way that they went about their business was really professional. And, and I feel great for them. Um, but but I, I hope our relationship can, can help along the way. Um, you know, anytime, the, you know, anybody in the NFL asks us uh, for access about our players, we try to do it. But it was great to have that extra uh, relationship with Matt. And I know Ryan was a huge part of this as well. And they have a great staff. So I'm excited for the city of Chicago to see Justin Fields. Um, and this is going to be a fun time to be a part of and watch from from Columbus. But uh, we're going to we're all Bears fans now. And uh, really happy for Matt and for Ryan. Uh, Tommy couldn't have said it any better right there. Uh, but from your perspective as an offensive lineman, Jim, then chime in as well. Uh, what what does it take for these young offensive linemen to block for a guy like this because of his legs? Now, Ohio State didn't want him running all over the place. When he did, it looked really good. Uh, we've seen the highlight this week of him racing downfield after uh, a completion, helping block to get his receiver into the end zone. Uh, just pure effort uh, in a game in the Big Ten. I mean, all sorts of things point to a guy that uh, can carve up a defense with his legs. Is it more challenging to block a guy like that? It, it is challenging when he gets into an ad-lib type of scenario where if a, a protection breaks down, now Justin Fields is on the move because it's real. you can't see behind you. You can only block what's in front of you. And so when they get a better feel of what are his tendencies, what do Justin Fields like to do when he feels pressure, which way does he like to move? You know, now they say, oh, push Aaron Rodgers to the left because that's where he's vulnerable. Baloney, the guy can throw from anywhere on the field that he wants to. But those are the types of um, tendencies that they're going to have to learn from Justin. And so if they have a pocket construction called out of the huddle, they have to understand where is this pocket most likely going to not necessarily break down, but where will he force to go? And it's just the little things, the little subtleties you learn because you realize that you have an athlete behind you and not a stationary target like some guys have a tendency to be. Jimmy did get sacked, I think, 48 times in college, had, I think, 12 fumbles. So these are areas uh, that, you know, you're going to have to keep a focus on as well for him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Ball security is everything. And your decision-making and, and taking care of the football is going to be paramount. I'm with you on that. He had uh, uh, too many fumbles from, from that standpoint. He's got to be smart about getting down, not uh, taking the, the vicious shots like he did in that game against Clemson. Obviously, it, it hurt him the following week when he had to line up against Alabama because he wasn't entirely healthy. He's a big, strong guy, but just because you're big and strong like that, be smart. Know when to slide. 
weigh the risks and rewards, run out of bounds uh, when you need to. But I really like his intermediate passing and his deep stuff. He can get his deep uh, footballs out a little bit earlier for, from that standpoint. His best football is ahead of him. This guy basically transferred into Ohio State. He's uh, the two-time Big Ten player of the year because he's got all kinds of ability, but he's not a polished product yet. All those things need to be brought to, to the, his attention, and he needs to get better, and I believe he will uh, be better as he moves forward as a quarterback in the NFL. Tom, there's been comparisons already to his style of a Donovan McNabb. That's a, a name that pops in, and I can I can see that. The, the body type, this is not some skinny quarterback who has size. This is a well-built athlete and very, very strong, durable guy, it looks like to me. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the comparison that, that you would say, but from your conversations with some NFL people, what are they saying? Uh, you know, he's got the frame of Donovan McNabb and Dak Prescott. He's got the elusiveness, the conditioning, the feet of Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. So I think that's the perfect combination of both. Because when we were all young guys and Donovan McNabb came on the scene, he was a special athlete playing the position. But we kind of were aware of that because of his time in high school around here and what we got, the way we got to see him run that offense in, in college. But offenses have changed since Donovan McNabb came into the league. They were using his athleticism and his traits and his durability to develop that offense in Philly. And with the coaches that he played for, they were still a, a kind of a pass-happy type of offense with the running game and a strong defense behind it. Now the way the game has changed, you can take video evidence of Russell and you can take video evidence of Deshaun Watson and try to incorporate them into the game of Justin Field. So I think he can be more threatening against defenses he can change the way you rush, you are rushed against because they're worried if he gets outside the pocket, it could be damaging. That's Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, a step away. We'll get into the other uh, draft picks outside of Justin Fields as he gets his debut with the Chicago Bears coming up at rookie minicamp just here in a short time next week. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This segment of Bears on Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak, and welcome in everybody. Season ticket holders are excited about the prospects of being in the stadium. A limited number of private single-game suites dynamically priced uh, to accommodate 10 or more in a private and controlled setting. Uh, go on sale along with single game tickets uh, next week, May 12th, 8.30 after the schedule release through Ticketmaster online through chicagobears.com slash tickets. Uh, before the public, fans who've joined the uh, season ticket priority list and current season ticket holders will have exclusive opportunity to participate in this pre-schedule from 7 till 8. So next week's going to be exciting. Uh, any guesses who the Bears open the season with, Jim? Uh, no guesses whatsoever. <laughs> You know, there's there's odds on all this. Now we can make money on this. Yeah. Tom, you got any ideas? <laughs> Do they play Cincinnati? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, it's fun to talk about. That's for sure how the schedule stacks up because it does make a difference when you play a team and how. And uh, we know where they're going to play teams. We just don't know when. It'll be fun. And I know uh, fans in the stands, if everything goes well, uh, should be an exciting uh, added bonus to this for sure. All right. Tom, let's start talking about some other draft picks here. Larry Borum, um, we, we touched on him earlier. Uh, Missouri, big guy, 
north at 350 because that's the way they wanted him there. They wanted big guys. Now he's back around 330 and seems like he's got that Detroit nasty to him too. Yeah, you know, I'm glad he played basketball as a young man because I think at this size, he's probably developed into a, a better short area athlete because of the footwork that he repetitiously practiced in basketball as a young man. However, when I look at Larry, He's got all the traits, and the reason he was drafted is because he shows all the, the willingness to participate, the hard play, the offensive tackle, taking up space. However, he is going to have to be get he has he's going to have to get in better physical condition. And when you talk about getting up to three fifty, you know it's easily done by eating, but your body just doesn't acclimate to that type of weight. You have a chance of being a better physically conditioned athlete at a lighter weight. In some of the guys that you're going to have to play against, you better have some knee bends to play against a guy like Khalil Mack. You better have speed out of your stance in order to, you know, get in front of these speed rushers. So I think Larry has the traits and the length and the size and the power, but he's got to develop more in the weight room and in the cafeteria. Jim, you heard about him from Detroit, from his high school? Yeah. Well, he went to Brother Rice. It's a really uh, fine prep school right up the, the road here. So that it's a very good football program. Ends up at, at Mizzou. He's played left tackle. He's played left guard. And he's played right tackle. As Tom mentioned, he's a massive man now. This guy's a massive man. He's got to show that he can handle the lateral movement at the tackle spot. And I think you're going to try him at tackle. And if it doesn't work out there, then you kick him into the guard. But all these guys, try them at that position. I think you'll get that type of movement at the line of scrimmage that, that you're looking for. He's got to work on his hand placement, but I think you try him at tackle, and if that doesn't work out, then you kick him into guard. Just Jeff, one more snippet about that is when Justin Fields gets the opportunity to play, you've got to realize that this offensive line has to be in better condition than they've ever been before. Because when we watch Russell Wilson come into the league, he would out-condition his offensive line and the defense he was playing against. You saw the offensive line and hands in their hips in the huddle, sucking air, same thing with the defense. So when Justin gets on the field, he's got to realize he's a more difficult sacked guy, so they got to be able to keep on their feet and sustain blocks probably a second to a second and a half longer than they would with the less elusive quarterback. All right, let's talk Daz Newsom out of North Carolina, an intriguing player here, a guy that willingly opened up in his newser uh, on Zoom that he loves to block. Don't forget that aspect of my game. Uh, I think he is an outstanding, watching his highlights, uh, he loves the somersault. After he makes the catch, he somersaults back <laughs> up. He's constantly somersaulting. So he, he shows me some great athleticism and out of the slot, Jim, because I do think that is an area where uh, – the Bears could really flourish with competition. And I think bringing in uh, some veterans in there too uh, to help out in that battle. And we still don't know what the future looks like for Anthony Miller. Uh, this, this could be the best thing to happen to Anthony Miller, uh, but also don't underestimate this guy. He, he's ready to play Daz Newsome, even though he's a sixth round pick. Yeah. 5'10", 190 pounds. And he's got great short area quickness. Just go look at his three cone drill and everything like that. Immediately he could minimum, be on the field right away for the Bears as a punt return. This guy is a terrific punt returner in terms of his average and things like that. Like most receivers, needs a better route running. He had some drops. He, he fixed it with uh, getting the contact. So that's helped him out in terms of that. But it needs more polish in terms of his route running and great run after the, the catch ability. He definitely 
will push Anthony Miller and hopefully the light bulb goes off because this guy will be ready to and ready to compete because he wants to play and get on the field. Um, one thing for Newsom, I would say it's the Darnell Mooney approach that the incentive. Here's a guy that came on late and was able to be a huge contributor, just like in the second half of the season, Cole Komet was a larger contributor to the tight end position than Jimmy Graham. So Bears are not adverse to playing young guys as soon as they're ready to get on the field. Oh, no, it's huge. And, you know, the speed component of, of Mooney, clearly. And then you bring in the veteran, Demir Bird, who's also a, a, a kick return, punt return threat uh, with his speed back in his days in college, 4 2 uh, And Marquise Goodwin, who was uh, competing in, I wasn't even aware of this, Larry Mayer of ChicagoBears.com wrote it. He was competing in long jump competition, and he had the fourth best time of the world a month ago. So, I mean, he's, 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 ready, he's ready to row as well. So, a lot of good things happen in the receiver position. Of course, Allen Robinson uh, coming back on his franchise tag that's already signed. They've got until July 15th to work on a long-term deal. All right, we got one more segment to go. We'll hear from Virginia Tech head coach Justin Fuente on Khalil Herbert, the running back out of Virginia Tech. We'll break him down and the rest of the draft. After this on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back to our final segment here on Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Good to have Jim Miller sticking around from Sirius XM NFL Radio. And, Tom Thayer breaking down the draft before we go back into the Bears draft. Uh, how, how great a feeling. And, and Jim, uh, ho- hopefully, God willing, you know, one of one of your boys will make it to the National Football League. And you'll have that same kind of pride that uh, Chris Rump, the defensive line coach of the Bears, uh, thrilled to see his son. They were together in their home in Houston. He got picked in the fourth round by the L.A. Chargers, a, a promising defensive end out of Duke. Uh, the dad called it a remarkable feeling. Uh I don't even know how to describe that when you're a coach in the national football league for the first time and your son gets picked. Yeah. There's, well, it was littered throughout this draft. You know, you look at uh, oh, yeah. Antoine Winfield, Winfield and uh, what uh, he was able to do. And obviously JC Horn, here's another, his dad was a, a great uh, receiver from that standpoint. So, you know, it, it is good to see, you know, I'm, I encourage my sons. I try not to force them to play football. If they, if they want to play it, I'm going to support them. 100% and give them everything they can or everything I can give them to, to succeed. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be a dream of mine if one of my boys could, could do that, but I don't force upon them. They've got to want it and do it for themselves. They're their own man. And I would think uh, coach Rump would say that about his son as well. Tom, what was the moment for your mom and dad? Uh, you know, I'm the youngest in the family. So I, you know, so it was different because all I, I had so much support from my older brothers and sisters and my mom and dad. And, um, you know, you know, football and sports were new to us because my sisters didn't play sports at the time. Then our family was led to football by my brother and I followed in his footsteps. So he was quite an inspiration for me. So I was proud to do I was proud to be able to do it. But my brother was a fullback. I was an offensive lineman. And it's something, you know, you talk about the fathers that have the kids playing. Do you want them to play your same position or do you want them to maybe venture off into different territory? Um, in where their talents take them. All right, let's talk running back. Uh, Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech by way of Kansas. Uh, his head coach, Justin Fuente, and I had a conversation this week about the rookie running back. All right, coach, thanks for taking some time. Uh, tell us about uh, this young man, because the first thing that pops in my head, it's a big task to leave one university where you spent four years, drop yourself in, be a star of the program, do a great job. And, and oh yeah, by the way, we got a pandemic going on. So how the heck did he, you know, bridge that gap and, and earn the respect of coaches and players and teammates in that short amount of time during this difficult time? Well, 
I, I think first and foremost, he did it with a humble, hardworking frame of mind. You know, I mean, it was a non-traditional season to say the least. He had a non-traditional road. Um, we did a lot of work, background work on Khalil. Um, none of it had to do with how good a football player he was. All of it had to do with how good a person he was, and he exceeded our expectations. Just was a, a fantastic fit for us, both on and off the field, and obviously was very productive, but just uh, fit right in from day one, even through all the, the trials and tribulations that, that made up last season. When he met the media on Zoom, uh, I was taken by the idea that, uh, you know, running backs, cornerbacks, wide receivers, you know them, they all have a, a pretty strong feeling about what they can do, but he said he can do everything. Is, is that a fair assessment of Khalil Herbert? I think so. You know, he, this is a highly intelligent young man that's going to pick up the schemes quickly. Um, I think, you know, what, what we saw from him, which we didn't use him as much on special teams, he was our kick returner, but when we turned on our training video, on the punt team and on kickoff team, you know, he's on those those training videos too. So this is a guy that's gonna that's gonna search for a way to help the football team. You know, he's got good hands. He's a established route runner. He's got great vision and balance. But um, you know, he wants to contribute to the team, and I think he'll he'll do about whatever it takes to try and kind of hammer out a role. And you know, he came from American Heritage High School, guys in Fort Lauderdale area. And I think seven guys from this class are on NFL rosters right now from his, from this draft class. So, and it was Patrick Sertan senior that coached the football yeah. team. So cr crazy talent. Do you think that is part of the process for a guy like this? He probably is not thrilled that he's a sixth round pick um, and feel is maybe a bit overlooked because he was fifth in the nation in rushing last year, Tom, that he's going to have from the day he started playing football. The competition was fierce at that high school, and now it's just continuing on. Right. But that's one of the reasons why I think that he'll probably be one of the quicker contributors. Because when you talk about a running back, it's about a vision, innate ability to pre-predict how the holes are going to open up in front of you. And when you go back and you watch his tapes, game tapes, not just a highlight tape, you can see that innate ability to be able to read what's going on in front of him. When you talk about the receivers or the defensive backs, Receiver, you have to fit that relationship in with your quarterback. Defensive backs, you have to figure out how you fit into that defense and the different assignments you have to learn. However, the impact of a running back, they can come in here and they can play if they have those traits that they showed throughout their college career. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, remember when the Bears drafted David Montgomery, everybody raved about, look, he breaks the most tackles of any player in college football. I would say this about Khalil Herbert and, and Tom just touch on his greatness is his vision, his ability to see the hole, hit the hole, and get through the hole. And that's what he's been, that's where he's accumulated his most yards. He's got a 7.7 .7 average. He had over 1,100 yards, does have kick return ability, and is a three down back. So, and can be a contributor on other special teams, whether he's the up back on the punt team and, and things like that. But his vision is probably his best trait. And with the addition of Damian Williams in the backfield, along with David Montgomery and some other guys that are in the mix, a pretty healthy position right now. Defensive back, Thomas Graham at Oregon, the last pick in the sixth round, number 228, opt-out guy last year, but a ton of experience, Tom, 40 games, eight interceptions, 32 pass breakups, and I guess that's the key for me. So he got his hands on 40 balls in 40 games. 
nickel corner. That's where I hope that they expose his opportunity to, because I think it's as equally as important position as any position on the defense. If you don't have that nickel cornerback, you'll get picked apart all day and you'll, they will make you stay on the field. So I like to see the competition at that position. Cause I still think there's some guys waiting in the wings to see the best out of themselves. However, Graham is going to be that next candidate to come in and compete. Yeah, who's, you know, Duke Shelley's going to have some competition. You know, they got to create that competition from that standpoint. I agree with Tom. 5'10", 190 pounds, looks to be more of a, a nickel corner. He's a very good tackler. And as you mentioned, comes with a ton of pass breakups from, from that standpoint. So he's very instinctive. I don't know about his uh, deep end recovery speed, but his short area quickness looks to fit that bill as a nickel slot corner. And he's got some physicality to him indeed. And then the Bears picked up a seventh and a trade with Seattle and used it on the BYU big boy, Nia, nose tackle, Kyrus Tonga. Tom, tell us about him. Be big, man. You know, one thing I like about Kyrus is that he can do everything that's asked out of defensive linemen. He's not a one-dimensional create a stalemate and let someone else come and make the tackle. If you want to run creative line stunts, he has the ability to be deceptive but still get around the corner. He's got ability to create a one-on-one -on -one stalemate with his head up and get involved in the tackle. He can stop, <coughs> excuse me, two defensive linemen at once and allow that, that linebacker to run free. They need a big man in the middle. I know they have Eddie Goldman coming back. However, when you talk about the size, the ability of this body to stay low and be powerful, Tongan's going to have a fun opportunity to be a contributor and I tell you what, Danny Trevathan, Roquan, Josh Woods, Joe Elia, Booneyway, they better go and introduce themselves to the big man because he's going to help them in their career as much as any other player on the field. Six to 325 pounds. I saw a game with him against Coastal Carolina. He had, uh, he had 12 uh, pass breakups in a game where he's batting it down. So he's very aware of what's going on around him and has the ability to anchor. Yep, uniquely gets his hands up in the air. Fellas, we are out of time. We could continue to talk about it. The roster now almost at 90. We'll continue to break down even some undrafted guys. Keep an eye on linebacker Caleb Johnson out of Houston Baptist, a uh, guy that could make uh, an early impression as we break down the Bears of 2021. Good to have you guys. We'll talk to you next week. For Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.